and I want to know something. I want to know if you're like me, where I'm really good at starting things, but I'm not always great at finishing them. You know, uh, as a kid, I started and quit so many things. I was in Taekwondo, which lasted like three months. I was, I played one year of football in eighth grade in middle school, and I quit the day before the last game of the season, which I, well, the one that coach made me do bear crawls, but the other thing is, I don't know, I just guess I just couldn't make it one more day, uh, so I quit that. I was in band. I played I think I played, I played the snare drum, I think I played the trumpet, I played the trombone and the tuba, quit each of those, which is very expensive for my parents if you have to rent or buy all of those instruments. I was in science club in high school, I quit that. Now as an adult, I'm better than, than I was. In fact, my friends and family would probably tell you I'm one of the most determined people they know, but I still have some areas of struggle. Uh, I've quit so many diets. Like I'm, I'm always like doing great on a diet, and then pumpkin spice season rolls around, and it just goes off the rails. I have home renovation projects that I started like two years ago that still aren't done yet. I, uh, oh, I started. I was going to write a book. Okay, I committed myself to writing a book this year, so I started writing a book. And then when I was preparing for this message, I looked in my last edit was August twenty or August seventeenth of twenty twenty. So not going as well as I had hoped. And if you're honest, you're probably like me, all right? Uh, Beginning a new year, I think about all the diets that probably aren't going to make it into February, all of the New Year's resolutions that are going to last a few more days. And, you know, it's always been the start that excites me. I get big plans and big ideas. I read a book or I watch a TED Talk, and I'm so pumped up and so motivated. And then, you know, there's good intentions, there's good plans, but then reality hits, you know, maybe you bought a juicer or some vitamins or a Peloton, a gym membership, and then you like wake up and it's cold and your bed is really comfortable and it's just easier to sleep in and you skip a day at the gym. Next thing you know, it's been four years and you're just not going anymore. Uh, you lose focus, you lose vision for what you originally started. And whatever the reason, you get tired and it's just easy to quit, right? It's more comfortable to quit than to keep going. And you tell yourself, we're going to get back at it, but you know we're not going to get back at it. Some of you might disagree because maybe you don't suffer from this. You might be motivated and you set goals and you hit every single one. You do what you're going to say. But I would guess that many of you, if not most of you, can probably relate in some way to this. And it's not just a fitness problem. It's not just a home renovation or a work problem or even a life problem. This can happen in our faith as well because we can start a relationship with God. We can start following Jesus and there's excitement and anticipation for what we hope it's going to be. There's the thrill of life change. There's passion. There's joy and our expectations are big, but then things happen, right? Maybe you start to have some questions that you can't seem to find answers to. Questions about the Bible, questions about faith, questions about God. Maybe there's some things in, in the Bible that just don't, don't sit well with you and how you see the world. Maybe there's some Christians you know that uh, are different from what they say they are. Maybe, maybe there's some hypocrisy in their life. There's not integrity and you trusted them. Maybe church starts to become a routine. You come here and the music just doesn't hit you emotionally like it used to. You find it difficult to want to read your Bible, and maybe you, you skip prayer in the morning so you can sleep a little bit extra, and you promise, I'm going to do it on my lunch break. But then lunch break rolls around, your boss needs you to work extra, so you work through your lunch break, and you promise, you know, I'm going to do it when I go to bed, and you lay down and you're tired, so you get like two, second, two sentences out of the Lord's Prayer out, next thing you know, you wake up, and it's the next day. And it just seems like other things can start to, to seem more important. 
following Jesus can get hard and that we can lose steam. And this isn't a new problem. It's not a Western culture problem. It's not a modern problem. This is a human problem. And it's, it's addressed in the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews, the author, talking about our journey with Jesus, he says it this way. He says that we can grow weary and we can lose heart. And if that's not true for you yet, unfortunately, and I hate to say it, it probably will be at some point in your Christian life. But there's hope. There's hope. And as we begin a new year, I want to share that hope with you. And so we're going to be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, if you want to read along in your Bible or on the Bible app, or we're going to have the verses on the screen for you as well. So it starts off this way. Sorry, let me go back one. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Now, this letter was written to a group of people who were just like you and me, people who had struggles, people who had challenges. I mean, raise your hand if you didn't have any struggles in 2020. Okay, that's what I thought, all right? Uh, <laughs> people who had questions, people who had doubts, people who were growing weary and, and even giving up. And the author, who isn't actually named in the document, sees this happening. He can see a group of people who maybe have, with good intention, started a relationship with Jesus, but are now starting to fall away. They're falling into old thoughts and old patterns. And he steps in and he gives us a few thoughts on how we can stay, stay strong in our faith and continue to, to continue this race, as he calls it, and to endure. And I'm going to call these things that he talks about faith builders, and there's three of them. So the first one is this, to remember that you're not alone. This is how that, that text begins. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. So if we're not going to grow weary and we're not going to give up, then we have to remember that we're not alone. All right, We need to consider the witnesses, which then begs the question, well, who are these witnesses? Well, they're, they're people who have made it. People just like you and just like me who have lived the life of faith but have carried it on to completion. Uh, the, they have lived this life of faith following Jesus. In the previous chapter of the book of Hebrews, we see some of these, um, these people, these, these witnesses mentioned. And this, is part of this, book of, this part of the book of Hebrews is often called the hall of faith. We see highlighted people like Noah. When, it says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Or Abraham says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Or Moses says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. And also Rahab, it says that by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. He goes on and he talks about 
Gideon and Samson and David. And these are witnesses that the author tells us have done it. They, we are surrounded by them in a unique way. When he says this, it's a representation that we ought to live our lives as, as though they were in sight and cheering us on to the same victory. It's almost as if these saints were in the bleachers cheering us on as we're coming down the last stretch. These witnesses are an encouragement to us. They remind us that we're not in this struggle alone. And so it stirs our hearts to press on, to run, to continue so that we may win too. But these aren't just the saints of the past. These are also saints who are in our life now, these witnesses. And I want to pause for a second. I want you to think, are there any witnesses in your life who have encouraged you? I can think of, there's so many people in my life that have done this. I can think of a few. Uh, Bill Gassett is, has been an incredible witness in my life. When I first started coming to the chapel, I, you know, I was a, I was a mess. I, I had more hair for sure, but it was like in a mohawk and, you know, I have tattoos and I, I just sort of stuck out. And like we went to this small group uh, connection thing and I really didn't fit in any of the small groups. So Bill just invited me over to his house and, you know, he didn't invite me over to tell me what I needed to change or how to live differently or any of those things. He just invited me over to his house every Monday and for two hours he would tell me about Jesus. And through that, through God's spirit working in my life, I mean, God did some incredible stuff. And I'll tell you what, I promise you, I wouldn't be up here today sharing God's word with you if it wasn't for, for Bill Gassett working in my life. And I think about Pastor Charles at our Norwalk campus, who's one of my best friends, and, you know, he challenges me, and he, he encourages me, and, you know, he, he, he guides me in my, in my walk. Uh, people like Pastor Bill Schroeder, a huge impact. Dave Brown. I think about people in our student ministry like Todd Enderley and Susie Herman, even my own wife, who is the polar opposite of me when it comes to our faith and our, our spiritual walk, but uh, she's more relational and emotional, and I'm more academic, but she keeps me grounded in those things and, you know, encourages me to do our devotions and, and to pray together. There's so many, you know, that I wish I had time to share and, share, and you probably have some in your life as well, too. Who are your witnesses? Because we have them to look at, to follow their example, to, to, to inspire us. So the first faith builders who remember that we're not alone. The second one is this, is to lose the weight. And, and, and listen to this. He says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So the writer gives us an interesting analogy here. He refers to sin as weight. Right. Now, I have lost weight in my life, and I work on trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle, but one of the things that surprises me is how easy it is to slip into my old habits of eating and not exercising. And I get way off track, and then I end up asking myself, well, how did I get here? How did I get this far off course, right? Well, how does that happen? Well, it happens slowly. You know, you make small decisions. I make small eating decisions that don't affect me immediately, but will in the long term. But, you know, it's like you gain a pound here, a pound there, and you, it's not that, really, that big of a deal. You don't even notice it. You tell yourself that it's fine. And the writer tells us that sin is similar. Just as I, do, just as I can do with my eating, it's very easy to slip back into the old ways of thinking and living before I was following Jesus. It often happens slowly, and we don't even realize that it's happening. That's how it works with sin. It's almost never a, a huge moral failure out of nowhere. It's a small compromise here and there. It's a step into the gray area now and then. It's a white lie. It's a, it's a cut corner, a compromise. It's a look. It's a sip. It's a, 
a song, a movie, a, a word, and then next thing you know, you're doing things that you swore you would never do. And now sin has taken you off course and it has brought misery into your life. And just as making poor eating choices will affect your body negatively, sin will affect your spiritual life, your walk with Jesus negatively. Not always immediately, but over time. And then once it happens, you're oftentimes so far away, you're like, how in the world did I get here? So I guess the question you might have is, well, what can we do about that? Well, there's three things that I think can help. I want to share those with you. The first one is to choose friends who are also committed to running this race. Maybe your own weight, the sin that you have in your life, is from the crowd of people that you surround yourself with. And this doesn't mean to not have anybody in your life who's a non-Christian, not be friends with non-Christians. It's very important that we do that. But when seeking wisdom or advice or sharing the, the details of your life, choose friends who are going to encourage you and especially challenge you to keep running in your faith. Do you have a circle of people like that? For me, I have a group of guys that I meet with on Wednesday mornings. Um, I have, you know, Pastor Charles, Pastor Eric, my wife. These are all people in my life that I have allowed to, to have a view into my life. And they have not only a right but an obligation that when they see me going off course to step in and say, hey, what is going on here? Do you have someone like that? The next one is to drop certain activities. You know, there are things in your life that maybe they aren't necessarily sin, but they're weight. And, and not wait for everyone, but maybe just, maybe wait for you. For me, it can be social media or even just looking at my phone, for an example. I got, I got my, screen, my weekly screen time report before I came into the first service, and it said it was up by 17%. It was six hours and 13 minutes, right? A day. Not for the week, a day. And I know some of you high schoolers are looking at me like, those are rookie numbers. <laughs> you need to get that up, okay? But like, for real, six hours a day that I'm looking at my phone. Now, given I was on vacation, but it's usually around that much. And I'm like, you know what it does is it cuts into my time with my family, cuts into my chair time, so I'm, you know, cuts into my time with God. And the more I look at social media, I'll be honest, a lot of times I'm just irritated and frustrated. And so it's not that social media or being on your phone is wrong, but maybe it's just wrong for me in the amount that I'm using it. For you, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a location you go to. Maybe it's a recreation or a hobby that you have. It's not necessarily wrong or wrong for everyone. Maybe it's just not right for you, at least not in the season that you're in right now. It's not wrong. It's just not right for you right now. Let it go. Because I think about this. You know, you might not be a runner, but let's say you signed yourself up for a 5K. Would you take your favorite bowling ball with you? Even if you really loved it. I mean, even if it was awesome, you probably wouldn't take it with you, okay? And so maybe to let those things go. And then the last one is to get help. Because maybe it's a secret weight that's slowing you down. Now, obviously, this could be gambling. It could be an addiction. It could be any of those big things. But it could also be a codependency, maybe a medication overuse, or something that you hope no one figures out. You hope no one sees your browsing history. And here's how you can know if you have something. If you get questioned about it, you get defensive. Or it's something that is not up for discussion. Or you justify it, and when somebody brings it up to you, you say, well, it's just this. Or I'm just doing this. Or it's just this with the guys or the girls or whatever it is. Understand that the further you go with that secret, the more difficult it is to turn back. And a lot of times, the most difficult thing is not letting go. A lot of times, the most difficult thing is admitting that it's a problem in the first place. And I'll speak on behalf of guys right here, and I don't want to 
you know, throw out a blanket statement. But I think for guys, we have this innate desire to be able to fix things on our own. And for me, one of the most difficult things I ever had to do was to call a counselor, just picking up the phone to admit there was something in my life that I couldn't repair. And, and I mean, this happens to, I mean, even just a few years ago, I had a, an issue with the medicine that I was overusing and using for the wrong reasons. And it just, the hardest thing was going to the pastors and to the elders and to say, you know what, I need some help here. The writer follows this statement about losing weight with this. He says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, that word endurance, because we're called to endure, that's not a glamorous word, right? But the reality is we live in a difficult and broken world. And as Christ followers, we are called to a blessed and full life, but one that is often marked with challenges and sometimes marked with suffering. Yet through this, Jesus calls us to endure to keep going, to keep running, to keep moving forward even when things get difficult or they go or they don't go as planned. I actually have an example and it's kind of interesting that it sort of correlated with this, but last year January 1st, I decided that I was going to embark on a cross country run. Now, I didn't really like run the distance, but I wanted to run the equivalent of the distance from the northern to the southern border of the US, all right? So, that's 1,567 miles, 2,522 kilometers. 504 5Ks, almost 60 marathons, 222 hours of running, 157,000 calories. I, went, I cycled through 10 pairs of shoes, okay? And you might be asking, why would you do that? And the reason is I knew I was going to need this sermon illustration. No, I just, I, I just love to have a goal. Like, I love running. Trust me, I would not get up at 5.30 on a Saturday to go do something I hate. I just love running, and I like to have a challenge. But there were so many times when this got difficult and I wanted to quit, I was like, this is stupid. Nobody cares about this. Like, I don't have to do this. I can just drive places, you know? And, and it was easy at first, but then it got boring, right? And then summer hit, and it got hot, and then I got tired, and then I got injured, injured so bad to the point there. Back in the end of November, I couldn't even run anymore because I would run. I could barely walk the next day. So things were not going as planned. I'm like, how am I going to make it? So I had to bike, and I had to row, and I had to swim, and I had to walk, and I went from a run to a hobble, but I just kept going. And, and I was able to finish it. But, and here's the thing. The reason I say this is because a lot of times our faith looks like that. We start off strong, but then things happen right? But the follower of Jesus, the one who endures, is not the one who has the easiest life or where things always go as planned or they never stumble or they never fall, but the one who just keeps going. Psalm 37, 24 says this. He says, though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. This race is difficult, and, the re and, and we endure not through our strengths, not through our abilities, but it's through trusting in Jesus, who says this is a champion and perfecter of our faith, the one who initiates and carries our journey on to completion. We, if we're going to keep going, we have to trust in Jesus. We have to keep our eyes on him, which is our third faith builder. It's this, to keep your eyes on the prize. In Hebrews, it says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Not only does he start it, but he carries it on to completion. I mean, if Jesus gives, gives his life for you to save you, do you really think he would save you and say, there, go figure it out on your own? Absolutely not. The Christian life boils down to two things. This is from Dane Ortland. He wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly. He says, the Christian life boils down to two steps. Number one, go to Jesus. Number two, see number one. It's focusing on Jesus. It always has been. That's the Christian life. 
You know, I love the story about the, the disciple Peter when he walks on water. And Peter kind of gets a bad rap. He's sort of a buffoon because he's impulsive and he denies Jesus three times. But he's the only disciple who gets out of the boat and walks on water to Jesus. And he does it. He walks on water. But then something happens. Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. And he starts to look around and he sees the waves and he sees the wind and the storm. And he starts to sink. And in this past year, and if you took a look around, you took your eyes off Jesus and you looked at our circumstances all the things going around in our world, you start to sink. In this past year, when you take your eyes off Jesus and you focus on everything else, things get very difficult. But if we look around and we focus on those things, it's easy to want to give up. In the competitive world, it's called a DNF, a did not finish. And I think that all of us would end up with a DNF if the race was on us. But it's not. It's not about our strengths and abilities. The text tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep our eyes on the one who not only initiates our faith, but brings it to its finish. When we focus on Jesus and we realize that nothing, not political unrest, not pandemics, not all of the social problems, all of the things going on in our world, in our, in our world that nothing is going around is on us, going on around us is outside of his will or command, we can continue to run with confidence and we will not grow weary and give up. So as we head into this coming year, let me encourage you to remember the witnesses, to lose the weight of sin, and to keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus. So when this life ends, you can say the words that the Apostle Paul spoke to Timothy he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So together, we remember the witnesses. We remember that we're not alone. We lose the weight of sin, and we keep our eyes on the prize, and together, we run. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you are the champion, the initiator, the perfecter of our faith. Jesus, that you have not left us to run on our own. And Jesus, oftentimes the race will not look like we want it to or we think it should. But Jesus, it's not about an easy race. It's about continuing to move forward. It's continuing to endure. Jesus, thank you. It is your strength through the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to do that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go.